Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Clocked In with the Press, hosted at Altman Studios in Brentwood, California. In this show, we both share the weekly news and highlight members and organizations in our community. If there is a story to tell, then I'm going to cover it, one episode at a time. Not everything in this podcast is supported by or reflects the beliefs of the press, so if you have any thoughts on our show, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at PressClockedIn or on Facebook at ThePress.net. This is your host, Caitlin Gleason, clocking in. For the story of the day, we are going to be talking to two members of our high school youth writing program. These individuals, on top of going to class, attending extracurriculars, and maintaining their grades, write articles regularly for the press. Before I introduce them to the show, however, let's go over the top stories for this week. Oakley residents are invited to show their best Halloween spirit during an upcoming decorating contest. The City of Oakley has announced its annual Halloween decorating contest is underway, giving the resident with the best Halloween decor a chance to win a gift card to Ace Hardware. This is the seventh year for the competition according to Lindsay Bruno, the City's Recreation Director. The resident who was voted as having the best decorated house will win a $100 gift card to Ace Hardware as well as a decorative sign to commemorate them as the winner of the 2021 competition. Next, longtime Brentwood Police Chief Tom Hansen has been appointed acting assistant city manager as the city searches for a permanent replacement. Former Brentwood assistant city manager Terrence Grindall retired on October 6th. Hansen, a near 27-year member of the police department, is expected to hold the interim position through the end of the year. Throughout his time with the city, Hansen has also served as a police officer, sergeant, lieutenant captain, acting police chief, and police chief. Current Brentwood Police Captains Doug Silva and Tim Herbert will split time as acting police chief in Hansen's absence. The city will utilize the national executive search firm Peckham and McKenney to find a permanent assistant manager who could start as soon as January. Next, firefighters from across the county battled strong winds whipping through the area Tuesday morning to keep a Brentwood House fire from spreading to nearby homes. Red flag conditions including strong winds, high temperatures, and low humidity were already present when a fire ignited on the exterior of a home on the 800 block of Nicholas Court shortly after 8 a.m. The first units from the East Contra Costa County Fire Protection District arrived to find the house at the end of the court ablaze. Wind blowing out of the northwest was casting embers into the yards of other homes in the neighborhood. Additional units from the Contra Costa Fire Protection District were dispatched almost immediately to the scene, and off-duty ECCFPD firefighters were recalled. A mutual aid request brought a county task force that had been prepositioned to allow a rapid response due to the elevated risk of fire. Some crews were assigned to fight the fire, while others prevented the fire from spreading to surrounding homes. The cause of the fire is under investigation, though investigators are looking at the possibility of an electrical problem as a source. Lastly, Oakley residents will have to continue waiting for a fully functioning library as the Oakley City Council failed to pass formal support of one. On September 28th, Interim City Manager Josh McMurray introduced a cooperative agreement between Contra Costa County and the City of Oakley that proposed the demolition of an old sheriff's office and building of a new library in its place. Had the motion passed, it would have meant that the City of Oakley commit to a $400,000 demolition project of the former sheriff's office Delta substation and Contra Costa County reimbursed 50% of the those costs. Secondly, the city would keep a telecommunication tower intact and operating on the property because it is needed for local law enforcement and fire services. As Council Member Aaron Meadows abstained from the discussion due to a conflict of interest, the motion needed at least three votes to pass. Consequently, it was a 2-2 decision that did not pass. 
Those were the top weekly stories, so now it's time to get back to the main topic of the day. Here to speak with me are youth writers Isaac and Aliana. Hi, thank you for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Of course. So tell me a little bit about yourselves. You know, what grade you're in, when you join the youth writing program, any other activities you guys do, or information like that. Yeah, I guess I'll start. So I started writing for the press back in December when I reached out to Greg and I was like, oh, I think the youth and like their opinions should be spotlighted and showcased. So that's how the youth program founded. It was just this arbitrary meeting with him and then it just kind of grew from there. When you started the program, how many other high schoolers were you able to get together to become part of it? Oh, that's a good question. It took a while to find some writers, but I think at the initial stages of the youth program, we were able to get four other writers, and I think two were from Heritage, and then one was from Freedom, and then one was from Liberty. Okay. Um, Aliana, when did you join the youth writing program? Isaac and Olivia actually asked me around February, and we added more people as like the months went by, and by like May, we had our team. That was really fun, and I've gone, I've kind of gotten to know them since then. You know, editing their articles and laughing during meetings. Do you both want to become journalists when you're older, or how do you see this program helping you guys as you graduate? Well, after I graduate, I hope to major in like um, political science and economics. So I definitely think like being able to practice writing and just like practicing that format of writing, because I think newspaper writing is definitely different from like any essay writing that I've done in school. So I think it just really broadened my writing abilities. I'm not sure if I want to pursue writing in the future. Um, I've always loved writing. When I was younger, I was surrounded by books. Doing that made me want to become an author. So I remember when I was little, I used to like write stories in my room. Writing kind of just came organically. One day I was just going through Instagram and I saw this ad for writers for this online magazine. I joined that. And, you know, I think everything kind of just went rolling from there. Recently, I got to do a program with the Princeton Summer Journalism Program. Before, I didn't want to pursue writing. I think I wanted to, you know, pursue politics like Isaac. But doing that kind of got me excited about it. So I'm not really sure it's going to take me, but... It's all, uh, it's in the future. So we'll get there when we get there. (laughs) Right now, what kind of stories are you guys working on? Right now, I'm working on a opinion piece on the AB 101 bill that California State Senate just passed. So I really just want to delve into that and give my opinions. After that, I'll be doing an article on my opinion on the oil drilling that's happening mm-hmm. locally because I personally don't agree that should be happening in our town. I'm kind of focusing more about features and interviews. Um, Recently, I got to do an article about the Royal Court and some of the sports teams. Next, I think I'm going to do an article about some of the clubs and organizations that are kind of going on and just the stuff that's going on in our high schools. We might also be talking about, you know, COVID and, you know, starting stuff back again. You know, we got to go to homecoming. We got to do a bunch of these other events, and it's really exciting for us, and I think it's really important that we cover that. When it comes to stories that you guys have written in the past, because you both have been part of the Press Youth Writing Program for a hot second now, what kind of stories have you guys written previously that you feel were some of your favorites or that you felt were more impactful than others? I think some of mine that I really enjoyed writing was the one about road safety, because recently we've been having a lot of fatal casualties. And I think we should, as a community, be aware that it's everyone's job to stay safe on the streets, including the youth, including the parents, including everyone else. And another one was my LGBT representation, because I love the LGBTQ community. And I just wanted to bring in my support and like say that we need more representation in a town. We need to like normalize it. 
I think my favorite was probably the very first one I did about the Heritage Swim Team. One of my friends was actually on the team and she gave me really great quotes about, you know, their practices and the journey from being back in the pool after a year and getting to go to BVALS, go to NCS. For me, that article was about the swim team. I think it was about the idea of, you know, life returning back to normal after being cooped up for so long. So I think it was really special for me to get to feature a moment in our community where we got to, just for a little bit, we got like a sense of normalcy again. It was hopeful and I think that was definitely my favorite. In your opinions, why would you both say that it's important that people who are of older generations read stories written by people of younger generations? I think it's important that the older generations listen to the younger generations because we still live in the same town. We're <laughs> we we are <laughs> we are All still in the same house. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. So we kind of live in the same boundaries of the city. We live in the same world and I think we should be able to voice our opinions just as much as adults should. Even though, yes, we may not have as much experiences, I believe that the experiences that we currently have or have made is still just as valid. Kind of like what Isaac was saying, like we're still from the same community. I think even though, you know, they might not really know what's going on at the Heritage football games or at whatever we're interested in, I think it's important that we get to share these moments as a community. And I think there has been a little bit of a disconnect whether it be like our priorities or like what we're doing. I think just having the opportunity to learn from each other is really important. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to add, you brought up that disconnect. And I think yeah. that's a really good way to put it. Because I think if we didn't write, I don't think people would have like understand like what our views really are. You know? oh, yeah. There would be absence. So, yeah. so it's kind of a point of just open communication to kind of bridge that gap between the generations. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If anything, it's helped me learn more. I think before writing for the press, I never really picked up the newspaper when it came to my door. R.I.P. R.I.P. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, but, you know, while I was looking for my articles, you know, I flipped through, you know, the sports section, the opinion section, the feature section. I was like, wow, this is actually really cool stuff going on in our community. I think I never would have done that if I wasn't looking for myself, but I'm really glad I am now. What is it like being in high school in the current climate? Personally, it's been kind of scary since, like, you know, we're still in a pandemic and we're still going to school and there are some lenient policies. For example, during lunch, we are not required to have our mask on, but we could still consolidate in groups. That's been scary since we don't know if we're in contact with people without a mask during lunch that may have COVID. Aside from COVID, we have this pressure on us to do everything, whether it be for college or like for our parents. I think recently I had an experience where I had to interview people for a position for a club and hearing these sophomores and everything they're busy with, I'm like, this was not me two years ago. Good luck. It's crazy how much we're all doing and it's crazy how much we're involved in. And even with COVID, seeing everybody again after two years, it's crazy. I think seeing the boys in my class grow like four inches, growing beards, and it's like, wow, it's Mm. Weird. You know, what? Weird. I have a nephew that's like 15. He has a full <laughs> beard. And I was like, dude, you look like you're 25. <laughs> they, I'm telling you, they're feeding something to these kids because I'm pretty sure 16 year olds back in the day did not look like how we look today. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about COVID and yeah. being in high school and the way that plays out. So when it comes to online versus in-person learning, did the return to in-person learning increase your workload? Did it decrease? Did it stay the same? Or what did that transition look like? 
That transition was really difficult, let me tell you that. Before on online learning, we all had our individual schedules where we did our homework. I did my homework at 2 a.m. in the morning. I slept at 3 to 11 p.m. So that was kind of my schedule, right? Mm -hmm. And then now with in-person learning, I have to um, really adjust to the school hours and commute now. (laughs) So I don't Mm -hmm. like driving personally. So that one hour just going to school because of traffic Mm -hmm. is absurd. (laughs) Well, you have an hour commute to school? (laughs) Well... The, hour. the traffic. The traffic. The traffic is really long. It is. What would it be without traffic? Oh, it's like a 15 minute. Yeah, 15 minutes. You have a 45 minute extra wait. <laughs> no, I wake up early. I leave my house at 7 o'clock and I get there at like 7.20. And that's a struggle for me. That's my sacrifice to not have traffic. Because mm-hmm. this one time I didn't. I left at like 7.45 and I didn't. I was late. Like very late. Yeah, very so. late. At that point, that's when you show up with the iced coffee, you know, and you walk <laughs> no, into class, yeah, you shake it a little bit, and you're like, hi, and then you sit down. Because at that point, you're going to be late anyway. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You, you're just kind of going to accept that yeah. fate. <laughs> Are either of you involved in programs that engage with the community aside from the youth writing program? Yeah, we're both. Well, Isaac founded the Learning Community Project. Yeah, yeah we, um, it's basically organization that tutors underserved communities and just anyone that needs tutoring and we do other stuff too like recently we donated books yeah so the learning community project or tlcp was initially just a free tutoring project but then it expanded into this mutual aid organization that really um served communities like the houseless or marginalized students so that's what we've been currently been working on, just advancing and bridging that education gap. Mm-hmm. So this organization does mm-hmm. tutoring. You guys do book donations. What we else do. do you do mutual aid for on it? So we actually did a supply drive for last winter for um, SF Homeless. So we, we were able to donate 600 pounds of clothes and then 100 pounds of food and cans. Mm-hmm. That really helped them because I know that during last December, people kind of were more focused on themselves during the pandemic. And I think we should also recognize that there are some people that need our help. If you all were to kind of just say what you believe is a change that needs to happen either in policy or culturally or something like that that you feel as the next generation, what is something that you feel passionately about that should be a change that should be made? I think, sorry, I think student mental health, um, Mm -hmm. no questions asked, because like I said before, we're more stressed than ever, I think, our high school students are doing more than ever, and I think it's really easy to get into that vibe where it's like, my work is more important than my mental health, my extracurriculars are more important than my sleep, my going to college is more important than me being healthy and happy in high school, I think that's something we need to break, and I think that's, a lot of our teens don't have the resources to, you know, make themselves feel content and you know, feel better. Even without their busy schedules, I think back in school and after such a big change and just the pressures in being in high school, because whether it be the media or, you know, just regular high school drama, we don't have the resources for mental health that we should. And it's not really prioritized the way it should be. Most high schools will have like a little cutesy little page on their counselor website. But, you know, what's that going to do if I'm yeah. you know, just working on student mental health? I'm really lucky to be part of Gen Up, which we're actually working on a peer-to-peer counseling program where yeah, we're being certified soon and hopefully we can help our peers in our schools. And just to, like add on to that, I definitely like agree with you. High school and like our priorities have definitely shifted. We have been sacrificing 
our mental health to just do so many things. And I don't really think it's sustainable for us. You know, we just can't keep on living. Like we have this constant need to just like succeed all the time. I think we should take a step back sometimes. And that's, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you both so much for coming onto the show today. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. That's it for today's episode of Clocked In with the Press. What are your thoughts? Have you read the stories written by the press youth writers? Let us know on Twitter or Instagram at PressClockedIn or on Facebook at ThePress.net. You can also stay updated on the latest East Contra Costa County news at www.thepress.net. This is your host, Caitlin Gleason, clocking out.